keep you on your toes, Sam, if you could put the picture up that hopefully you can find onto the screen. And I want you just to look at that picture for a moment, and you can do this if you're at home. And I want you to tell me, this is, this is make sure you're awake, I want you to tell me what words spring to mind as you look at that image on the screen. Maybe how they may be feeling, what just words automatically spring to mind? Despair, Despair. okay. Sadness. Carmen? Sadness. Sadness, thank you. Stress. Stress, thank you, yeah. Defeat. Defeat, okay, thank you. Frustration, Frustration. yeah. Thank you. Regret. 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 Yeah. All of these are. We are all we're doing is telling from, in a sense, from a body language what may be going on. And when I was looking at this passage that we've just heard from Helen, that kind of image came to mind, because we've just heard that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. I'm not suggesting that was a photograph of God. But it gives us a sense, doesn't it, of that sense of despair and frustration and regret. And yet... We're only in Genesis chapter 6. And in fact, only just a few weeks ago, really, at the beginning of the year, we heard, read, God saw that all he had made, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Between Genesis 1 and Genesis 6, where we are tonight, it's just a moment really in God's timing. A mere few chapters in our Bible. A mere metaphorical click of God's fingers. Generations have come and they've gone. From that moment of creating Adam and of Eve to this moment now in Genesis 6, we have heard just how the world is filled with wickedness. What a contrast. In the previous weeks, we've looked at how that first sin by Adam and Eve was against God and how last week when I was talking about the murder of Abel by Cain was a sin not only against God but also against humankind. Things have gone from bad to worse. You thought it was pretty bad being a murderer, you know, murder having taken place. But now we read every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were evil all the time. It's almost unfathomable, isn't it? It's almost as if we can't imagine what is going on. 
We talk often today about our world being filled um, by people who are living in darkness. It's a phrase I know that I've used. How people do not have hope. They live without hope. I've talked about that whole sense of, at the beginning, how important hope is for so many of us. And as we listen to our news, as we talk to one another, we realize that there are so many injustices going on in our world, whether that's nation against nation or people group against people group or individual against individual or religion against religion or whatever it may be. We are living in a world that today is full of bitterness and darkness and injustice. Talked about that really last week when I was talking about how Cain had kind of adopted what was going on in society around him when they'd gone out of the garden. And, and sometimes we are guilty of that. We are living in a world that is moved away from Christian faith. And we begin to absorb the behaviors of the world, albeit not intentionally, but because it becomes what is normal. And how many of us have moved from those values, perhaps of our upbringing, towards what is considered to be the world around us? And how, through that, are we causing God despair and making him wonder what on earth is going on? And yet, at the same time, we know from God's word that as Christians and as Baptists, it's one of the things we seek to do is to stand up and speak out. We're not tied to the state like other denominations. We have the freedom to stand up and call others out about their behaviors, about the inappropriate use of language when it's discriminatory. We should be calling out those behaviors where there's inappropriate use of power and authority, of physical or mental abuse, or whatever may be going on but which leaves people feeling disempowered. Whatever age we are, from the youngest of us to the oldest of us, when we always and only hear negative comments and criticisms, when we always and only ever hear put-downs rather than praise, we begin to believe that which we are hearing we begin to lose our self-worth and our self-belief and even our self-respect. And we end up living a life that doesn't have hope in it, but one perhaps where we're afraid of what we may be hearing next. And maybe for some of us, we do and sometimes do feel like that picture we saw on our screen a short while ago, even if we're not physically demonstrating that in the way that we are holding our heads or trying to block out our world and those around us. But inside, that is maybe how some of us may feel. Because we do feel like it's all too much. It's as if hope is beginning to ebb away. It's as if the values in society are becoming greater than those which we hold firmly to and should be living day by day. And as we look at our world and we listen to our news and we hear about 
the world and governments making decisions that we're simply uncomfortable with. What are we doing and how are we, how are we responding? And what we are experiencing is only a tiny fraction probably of what was going on all those years ago where we read that the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Are we deeply troubled by the world that we are living in today? Because really and truly, we should be, shouldn't we? We are living in such a dark world. And so I thought, before I continue any further, Sam, I'm just going to turn this one on. Um, I thought, you know, I want us to stop and think about the world and all its darkness and just pause for a short while and just pray for our world. And I'm going to invite you, if you're able to do so, to pray out loud, to use the microphone so that the particularly people at home can hear what is being said. And Haley. Would you be willing to be my mic runner for twice in one day? As we just pause and think about the contrast between what God had created, what we are reading tonight, but also about what we are experiencing. And I just invite you, if you are able to pray, just that indicate with your hand and Haley will come with the microphone. suffering in Pakistan because of the flood, the people suffering in Afghanistan because of the Taliban and because of economic breakdown and the effects of war. And we pray for the people who've lost their homes in Turkey and Syria because of the earthquake. And we pray that help will be given to these people and that uh, they will get through the winter and that somehow some kind of housing can be provided for them. We pray in Jesus' name. Father, we just want to say how sorry 
uh, we are, Lord, for all the damages that we've caused to this earth, Lord, that you created. When you created it, Lord, you said it was good. Please forgive us, Lord, for all the damage that we've caused. Father God, as we look around the world today, there's lots of things happening, Lord. We have good things, bad things, things that are indifferent, Lord. And we just want to ask, Lord, for, for your forgiveness. And we just pray for people all over the world at this time, Lord, who are struggling with one struggle or another. Lord, we just want to pray for the wars um, to be ceased, Father God. We just want your will to be done on this earth, um, Father God. We just want to go back to the way it was when you first, first created the earth, Father God. So, Father God, we lift up everything that's going on in the world today to you, um, Father God. And we just ask that you'll just come down, Father God, and just make all the wrong things right, Father God. Help us to live at peace with one another, Father God. We just want to have a time where we just look at you and say how wonderful you are. You created us in your image, um, Father God. And I just want to say sorry for all the damages that man, mankind has caused to your earth. Please forgive us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to pray concerning um, our young people, young people all over the world that are being poisoned by um, destructive ideologies where they are being confused about who they are and about what life is about, Lord. Almighty God, we thank you because you said that we do not wrestle flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, Lord. And so, Lord, we want to come against um, the principalities behind these ideologies that are just poisoning the minds of young people all over the pray that it be cast down and destroyed in the name of Jesus. And I pray that, Lord, young people be set free to appreciate the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that, Lord, they would just um, appreciate the gifts and the callings of God upon their lives, oh God, and they would know, oh God, that, they that you've given them life and gifts and talents for a purpose, Lord. And, Lord, we pray for the government of the United Kingdom, Lord, we just want to pray for those in authority. Lord, we pray for wisdom, oh God. We pray for grace. We pray for right judgment, oh God, that Lord, in very difficult matters, you would give them the grace to make the right call. And that Lord, um, also for those that are making the laws, that Lord, they would do so, oh God, in a way that we all will live a peaceful and godly life. In Jesus' name. Father God, we think of those people who are like the victims or the hands of those who have control and power over them. Lord, we think of those who are trafficked, who are in slavery, who are being forced to work in situations that are almost inhumane and for so little reward. 
We pray for those who are living off the streets, only managing to survive from what they can scrounge in places like Brazil, South America, across our world too. Father God, this is not the world that you had created. This is not how we want it even to be, and certainly not how you wanted it to be. But it's the reality of how it is. And Lord, we pray that you'll embolden us to continue to speak up and to speak out. And to always uphold those for whom they have no voice. And for whom we can indeed be their voice. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So in the little bit that we've talked about and in the prayers that we've offered, we know from what we have read and what Helen has shared with us from the Bible reading, that the Lord said, I will wipe out all of creation. Because of the wickedness of humankind, I'm going to start again. Except for Noah. Noah, one of the descendants of Seth. Noah, who was going to have grace extended to him. Noah, who, as we heard last week at the end of chapter 4, was one of those descendants which had begun to call on the name of the Lord and from whom, after the murder of Abel, hope was going to come. Now, I'm not sure. If I had been in Noah's shoes, how blessed I would have been when God had said to me, and now can you build an ark and take all these animals with you and the rest of your family because of what's going to happen next. There have been times when God has asked us, uh, Ian and I, to do things that we've not been overly impressed with, but we've done it because that's what God has asked. And this is exactly what we know Noah will do. And we have heard, no doubt, many sermons or we've seen those film portrayals of what happened when Noah did indeed do as God asked. But this decision by God, that despite all that was going on in the world, he was going to have his hand of grace upon Noah, is of course another insight into what ultimately was going to happen when Christ came. Noah and the rescuing of Noah's family and the animals is the first of the, what is an indication of Christ coming when he sent his son into the world. Not just for eight human beings and some animals, but when Christ was to come. It was for the whole of the world. A gift for all of humanity. A gift that we will be remembering in a moment or two as we share in communion. Another example of why we can't pick our Bibles up and just chop it in half and think, oh, I'm only going to read the New Testament because I don't like some of what I find in the Old Testament. Because they go together. This is God's holy scripture. We need the Old Testament because it points to Christ going forward. We need to read the New Testament in light of what has happened and has gone before because they fit together. 
This is God's holy word. That's why we're spending our year looking at what we can learn from it. And we know, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be treading on the toes of the person, I think it's Ian next week, he's going to be sharing what happens next. But we know that as a result of Noah, he and his family and the animals that he got on board the ark were saved and everything else was destroyed. But I'm going to be bold and I'm going to read the words anyway in case... Now, I'm sure it's going to be mentioned next week. We're going to hear them twice. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. And the waters rose and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the water. I don't think it was just like a nice, gentle floating. I think it would have been a bit more like when I get on board a ferry and think that's how my stomach feels. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heaven were covered, and the waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. And every living thing, every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds and livestock and wild animals and all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all humankind and everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living Thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. How horrified have we been by those scenes on our television screen when we've seen what's happened in Turkey and Syria and how many lives have been lost. Here, we've just heard that every living thing on the face of earth was wiped out. What a contrast to those well-known verses that were mentioned this morning from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have, ever, have eternal life. With Noah and his moments from Genesis 6, it was just a handful of people. But moving forward, a reflection of what is to come, God sent his son for whoever believes in him. It's not going to be based on behavior, it's going to be based on faith. An offer open to all who believe. And no more is God going to be judging his creation based on behaviors that fall short of what God expects. But it's going to be based on the gifts of his son, the gift where his son, who left the glory of heaven and came down to earth, took on our sins and mistakes and misdeeds. And as I was thinking about that earlier again, afresh today, my mind just could not get over what that felt like to Jesus when he took on the weight of the world on his shoulders. What a contrast. In Noah, it's wiped out. Every living thing is wiped out. For Jesus, the weight literally of the world's mistakes were on his shoulders. And that's what we're remembering tonight through communion. His willingness to do that. To take our mistakes 
all of my mistakes and all of your mistakes and all of the world's mistakes, he bore and he became the sacrifice in order for us to live again. One of the things we do in communion is to say sorry. We take time to say sorry for the things that we've continued to do so that our relationship with God when we take the bread and the cup is to remind us of the love that God has for each of us through what his son has done. And so I'm going to say, we're going to stop, we're going to pause, and in silence we are going to just talk to God now in preparation of the table before together I lead us in a prayer to which there will be a response on the screen. And so in silence, let us say sorry to God. as we have said sorry to you as individuals. Lord, we come to you, our Father, our Creator, our Saviour, our Redeemer, recognising that we have indeed saddened you. We are sorry that our actions have troubled your heart and you have at times despaired of us. Forgive us when we have not done your will. Forgive us when we have broken your laws. Forgive us when we have rebelled against your love. Forgive us when we have not loved our neighbours. When we have not heard the cry of the needy. And forgive us when we have failed to be your hands and your feet. Even to be your voice in speaking out against the injustices we see around us. And we thank you that because we can say sorry, we know that you forgive us. And so in hope and anticipation, we say, help us now, Lord, to move on and live in the way that you have called us to. Lead us, Father God, and allow us to acknowledge your costly generosity given to us through the death of your son on the cross. So that we can indeed live as forgiven people. So that together with heaven and earth we can rejoice and the whole earth will cry glory to Christ our Lord. And we say together the words that will appear on the screen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And it is because of that. When we say sorry, we know it's not about us, but about what God can do through us.